What's up, everybody? It's Devin Man with Man Versus, and I have a very special guest, one of my closest friends with her own podcast. Nikki, what's up, girl? Hello, hello. It's great to be here. I am Miss Lovett. Gonna introduce myself like a <laughs> teacher, you know. Um, I also, like I said, my podcast, A Fraction of My Reality. You can find me on Google, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Yep, I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> And uh, I, I kind of like the name of her podcast because it's like a fraction. It's like she's a teacher. She's not. She's a math teacher. So it's like it's kind of clever. Like I kind of it's it's clever. I like it. Yeah, it's dope. It's dope. It's dope. I like it. But um, yeah. So I brought Nikki on the podcast. We're doing a little collab, um, kind of vice versa. She brought me on hers as well. And so we're gonna get into it with a lot of educational talk. And I feel like given you know everything that's happened. We talk about systematic oppression, like what we can do to get out of this, like what are the steps? So everyone knows, you know, what we need to do with the police and everyone knows what we do with the voting. But what can you do personally more on your end, like with the schools and educations and like, what can we do like that? So I figured, why not bring in a black woman who's a teacher? Is that kind of smart, right? That's kind of smart, right? I dig it. But um, so tell me about yourself and how you wanted to become a teacher. How I wanted to become a teacher. Like I said, and I talked about this on my podcast, it was just like a thing. I don't know if it was because seeing my teachers is the first kind of outside of family prominent person because mm-hmm. I've been in school. I did the whole pre-K, kindergarten, everything like that. So teachers were always a huge part of everything. So it was just from the get-go in school, I want to be a teacher in it changed a little bit from when you were a kid but mm, so like i wanted to be a teacher then i got to high school and i started getting into like the arts and stuff and i was like oh i could, I could do like acting stage plays and whatnot but then like i was like that takes a lot of work and i haven't been training for it for you to start that at like 16 is cool but to make a career of it and you didn't really grow up in that area of like stage i was like mm. and then i know that that's not really like where my passion is like it's funny because we we're just talking about how you know, Hamilton just came out. And yeah, I was like, one thing about Broadway, and I was like, I could not do the same show. Like, they perform that show eight times a week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like, I was like, that, I know I teach, yeah. and that's repetitive, but I was like, mm. no, so that died back down, and I got back into like, okay, because I was always, you know, underneath all that still in my teaching prep classes and stuff in school. So, you know, high school solidified that I wanted to do um well middle school and high school solidified I want to do middle school teacher I'm excited uh, and then got to college you know Kennesaw State who do who go owls and you know, I got two degrees I'm gonna point that out two degrees you got two mastered that oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying not like okay yeah yeah like two two different levels not like, you mean two, like like no English than like science or something well at Kennesaw when you go into middle grades you have to choose two different subjects. So I'm certified in math and language arts, but I only chose language arts because I don't like, now that I think about it, I should have did science, but I didn't want to take the science classes and I hate social studies. Like, oh my gosh. So I chose <laughs> language arts, but I would never teach language arts. I'm terrible at English. Like I can talk and I'm articulate, but like putting stuff on paper. Oh my God. No, I can't. It's the word. That's a, it's a really, it's, it's one of the reasons why I started the podcast. Cause I can't type. I can't. Like, people read my tweets or they read what I write, and they be like, what's wrong with this dude? But then I, I explain just, it, and I say it in real life, and be like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, I okay. Can't, I can't do okay. papers. Now, language arts, they just have a lot of leeway with stuff they could do. Like, they can make it really creative, but I can't do it. 
and math is where my heart is. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do math. And then, you know, going into my fourth year teaching this year. So that's good. You do what you do middle school, right? I feel like I feel like that's one of the most important parts of like a young especially like a young black kid's life because like that's when you're I feel like that's when like you're the most malleable like that's when you're like so when you're a kid right everything's everywhere like you don't know what you're doing you're like what is red what is nine like like why do we drive places like what is your church why do we go home like why are you you know and then like you slowly get older and then like from that middle school to like high school that little area right there I feel like that's when you kind of like set yourself as a person so I feel like like when people be saying about kid or not kids but mm-hmm. preteen is pre is that the right word adolescence yeah what's that what's the word for like people I like mean, the age of like ten to like fifteen preteens because you know and they're in middle school you're eleven to fourteen so yeah like that age I feel like that age is so critical that people really need to be structured they're like not only in family but like in school because like people really don't like when people say yeah I'm fifteen but I have like a seventh grade reading level. I'm like, dang, what happened in seventh grade, bro? And that's, um, we're getting into that. That's like really the elementary school. But part of the reason that I wanted to do, because literally, and I just, I don't know if I showed my boyfriend the other day, but I have a poem that I wrote in eighth grade about in the future being a seventh grade math teacher, which is crazy. But even though I went through a lot of struggles in high school as well, when yeah. I was in middle school, that's when you're changing the heights of puberty, you know, really trying to decide who yeah. you are. Um, and, you know, I just did a podcast with some of my former students and talking to them about, are you thinking about college already and X, Y, Z. So those middle years are so critical. That's why you kind of hear people talking about, like, if I tell people, okay, I teach seventh grade, they're like, oh, my God, seventh graders are scary. Middle schools are scary because this is such a big time. <laughs> so it was like. I know that was a big time for me when I was in middle school. I was so bad. Like my sixth grade year, I was a horrible child. I stayed in ISS, OSS. And I told my students this story and they were like, you were like, you were mean like that. And then, you know, some of my kids were like, I can see it. <laughs> I was like, but I was so terrible and going through so many changes and so many things were going on. Um, so like when I really wanted to think about what I wanted to teach, what level yeah. I was like, okay, um, middle school, that's where I can have the most change. And that's where I can see the most. And then when you got your middle school teacher, you still have time for them to, you know, grow. And I also, I don't remember anything from middle school. Like, I don't remember anything I learned. I remember bits and pieces. I know I had teachers that, like, the teachers I liked, I remember their classes. Yeah. Like, I loved my seventh grade science teacher. She she was real. And I remember so much from her class. But my other teachers, I didn't connect. I don't know anything from their class. So I was like, I look at the stuff I teach, and I'm like, I learned this in seventh grade? That's weird. So another driving force of like, okay, I don't want kids to say, what did Miss Lovett's class even mean to me when, yeah. when I got there? So I was like, I can have this change. I can be this change and be this person that's just awesome to them and that they really retain something other than, oh, I had a cool teacher. See, I agree with you a lot on the whole, I don't remember nothing. I, I was literally, I was like, do I know anything from seventh grade? Like, I still got some of my friends from seventh grade, but I don't remember anything from, like, middle school. Like, educational-wise, I don't, what, what do you, like, was that algebra? Is that, like, um, or is, was that, like, eighth grade math? What is it? I don't know. I don't remember anything, but. It's a mixture. But I will admit, when I was younger, so, like, I wasn't, like, a fighter, or, like, I never stole or, like, broke nothing. I had a slick mouth. Like, I would say things. And that's not a surprise. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> no. But like, no, but like I never 
So I never got suspended for like slapping someone or fighting someone or punching or like I stole the teachers, whatever. I stole someone's like it never, ever happened. But, you know, there <laughs> there were a couple of times my teacher would say something. I'd be like X, Y and Z. And he'd be like, yeah, go to principal's office. I'd be like, God dang it, I did that. And like my mom would get the call and she'd be like, what do you say now? Because <laughs> like, she already knew. He, I, she already knew. I, but my brother was the opposite, though. He didn't really say stuff, but like, he did stuff. Like, uh, that's funny. But he was big, though. Like, you got to realize, like, he's eighth grade, seventh grade, and he was, like, six foot already. And so, Jesus like, Christ. yeah, he, he got, like, my daddy's side of the genetics. But he was super, like, he was, and he played football, too. So, like, you know, the whole anger issues or whatever. Like, I remember one time uh, in, in high school, like, I think he was, like, a freshman or something. Like, he slapped this dude's hand and, like, all his food fell on the floor. And, like, I'm just, like, bro. Like, and he'd be, like, yeah, I know. I shouldn't have like, I know I shouldn't have done that. Like, it was really stupid, but, like. See, I don't, like, <laughs> I don't have, I do not have that many issues with kids getting smart with me. Like, my students, they don't, they don't nobody, they don't really try me. Probably because I set that precedent from day. I have the biggest issue with kids they're talkative. Like, my students are so talkative, and they get too comfortable around me, so I have to reel it back there. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't do anything in my classroom. Like, just, you know, whatever you want to do. But they never, I don't have a lot of the disrespect issue. And I taught in, like, a rough school my first two years. And some of the stuff other teachers would tell me that the kids would say to them, I'd be like, you let them talk to you like that? <laughs> I mean, that's on you at that point because they wouldn't do that. And then the, the couple of times that somebody might have come into my classroom and been like, oh, da 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 smarting off, the other kids would check it for me. They'll be like, hold on. I don't know what you thought, but... So, like, is your classroom mixed with... Is it just black kids, or is it, like... Or is it majority black kids, or is it, like, half and half, or is it, like, mix of um, Latinos and... I used to be in predominantly black, but now where I'm at, it's it's everything. It's a good Mostly mix. black and Hispanic, where I'm at. But then I have, I have students from Russia, I have students from Albania, I have a student from Egypt, you know what I'm saying? It's... it's uh, so, like, my biggest thing is, is, like, in the classroom, right, if you got kids from different cultures and different backgrounds, like, how do you get them to be cohesive in the, because I know when I was younger, so I went to a private school, me and my brother, like, I'm, and people might think I'm elitist or upper echelon or whatever, I think private school is the <laughs> way to go. Okay, oh, sorry, don't do that. <laughs> You're a hater. There's a lot of trees outside. And I know, I know private schools are expensive, but, um, like, I really do think they set the presidents to like be better like not saying be better like a human being but like the education like right when i go to co- like when i got to college and they're like yeah you gotta write a three-page paper and i was like i was writing that as a freshman i was like three pages ain't i could write a three-page paper on how to write a three-page paper like and then my friends they'll be complaining about it i'm like you're complaining but i was like bro like when i was a sophomore in high school we wrote a 12-page research paper at mr hutchison i remember th- it was the worst thing in my life it was the worst thing of my life. So when like, but like back to the whole like diversity thing, most of my friends in high school were like a bunch of white kids. Right. I mean, of course I had, you know, you had like the few black people in there who were, you know, kind of like you or whatever, but it was really just like me and my brother, like even when we were in elementary school, like literally in elementary school, we were like the only two black kids. Like, I mean like literally the only two black kids, like people can't really concept that. Like, can you imagine going to middle school and you're like, I'm talking about like me and you, that's it. Everybody else is white. Maybe a couple of Asian people. So, like, how do you get all the different cultures and backgrounds, you know, one dad, mom and dad, one mom? Like, how do you get that to, 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 to stick? So, I really don't have to do much by the time they get to me. 
You know what I'm saying? Um, because, you know, I won't say where I teach, but where it's at is already like a big place for different cultures. So mm-hmm. these are the kids that they've been with since elementary school and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So when they get to seventh grade, it's already, you know, everybody's just like, oh, that's just my friend. Like I have one student from this past year and he's this, this cute little white boy. Like I love him. Okay, not call him cute like that because I, you know, I'm a teacher. It's like cute in an appropriate way. Um, but like, and I love him. And I was looking, we have, you know, students who are Eng- English as a second language, Esau kids, and he was on the list and he's German. And he spoke German when like he first fluent, got yeah. to my county. And one of my kids were like, yeah, we taught him how to teach, uh, speak English. We helped him with that. And I was like, oh, y'all just kind of mixed. And they're like, yeah, we're Whoa. all. So, you know, they come in. And, of course, there's, like, the cultural differences at first. Um, and I guess that is where I step in. Because if they're students who are newer and trying to. Yeah, like um, one or two years in. Assimilate. I don't know. I guess use the word. I kind of no, have that, to that's be, right word. Like I had I had to. Well, I hate like saying like when we talked about assimilation, like in social well, studies, it means it like, like like to be collective in the culture. Yeah, and then I it's so like when we talked about it, it always some of history has like a negative connotation. Get into that, but either way, so like this past year, I had a kid in the classroom, and they're just talking and playing around, and. One of my black kids yelled to one of the Hispanic kids. He was like, well, you're a beaner. Oh, my gosh. But he didn't know. That was me. He didn't know. Oh, my gosh. He didn't know that it was negative until I had to tell him. I was like, we don't do that. You know, like I have to nip that in the mud. It's not even a gray area. And I immediately emailed the assistant principal like, hey, you need to get him. And he called him up because I was like, kids have to see that that stuff is not okay. And I had another like the kid I was talking about. He's from Egypt. But he's a white Egyptian, you know? Uh, and he was in class he's more one like, day. Like Arabic, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was in class one day telling me, not telling me, but they talk so loud. And their group was right in front of my desk. And he was talking about how he has an N word pass. And I was like, who gave you that? Because <laughs> I wish you might. I don't want to hear anybody saying it in the yeah, classroom at all. Class, yeah. But we're, this is what we're not doing. So I really have to, in these instances, we're talking about culture. It's so many stories. I had a boy. And then kids know in my classroom, it's probably not appropriate um, if my principal ever hears this. You know, it's all love. Um, but in my classroom, you know, if you try to bully others, now you got to deal with me. Yeah. And I'm, adult, I'm an adult, so automatically I'm the rose queen. Now, with my friends, not so much. But with kids, I'm going to kill yeah. you because... It's not cool. You, it's not cool. And, you know, I see your work that you give me. So you don't have any room to talk about anybody. So I have a boy. He was from um, How Brazil. How you going to make a 55 on your test? Honestly, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't call out, like, specifics. But I will tell them because the boy is from... He's Portuguese. And mm. he's... You know, talking and trying to answer stuff. He has a thick accent because he just got to America less than six months ago when this Ooh, happened. He's yeah. So, but he was right, and the kids were like, you know. And I was like, I know you're not laughing because you're trying to um, understand him. When I try not to laugh because I struggle to understand some of this work you give me, <laughs> and they were like, dang. But um, you know, when we talk about all these differences that people have, you know, I'm not for trying to laugh or trying to talk about people's culture. That was a big thing when COVID hit, um, before we closed down, you know, of course, with it originating in an Asian country, yeah, China. all of my Asian students were kind of becoming targets yeah. and they laughed it off because they were jokes amongst each other. Um, but I was like, I don't want to hear it. So it's all about, as a teacher, I got to nip things in the bud. I got to teach and appreciate, um, 
if a kid wants to do something, like I have um, a kid who's from China and he made me a Chinese ornament for Christmas. And it's still hanging in my classroom today because I want to celebrate that. They were like, why is that hanging? I said, because he wanted to bring some of his culture in the classroom. It's not hurting you. Yeah. It's just there. Like, relax. So you think, so you think that not really forcing it, but getting your kids to understand like, Hey, like, like, yeah, y'all are all the same age, but you know, this guy's from Germany, this guy's from Egypt, one's from Portugal, one's from China. Like you're American. You're also American, but you're first generation from, you know, wherever you're from. So you think that a good way for them to, you know, be in the classroom is to like really just to get them to learn each other's cultures. Like, is that what you would, because you said the whole, the boy with the, um, the Chinese, um, um, ornament, you know, like, do you think like that maybe you should uh, get them to speak on like where they're from and like what they be doing? Because I do that all the time with my white friends and, you know, the black culture. Yeah, I mean, if I never I mean, as long as it's not taken away from like instructional points, like if we're in the middle of a lesson. I'm not going to say, OK, now you tell me. No, about. Of course not. <laughs> but I think if there's an opportunity for a culture to be um for us to learn and be educated on something, or if I have time to celebrate, like if it's Hispanic Heritage Month, um, trying more to celebrate that and let people see their culture, or you know Chinese New Year. I don't really know when that falls for sure, but if yeah, it's, it's not it's, on it's, actual New Year, yeah, yeah. So like it's different. So if I'm celebrating these different things and people see it, then the students know it's okay because in my classroom, the students are basing everything off me. So if I push things to the side, students are going to push things to the side. If yeah. I laugh at you, the students are going to laugh at you. So, And, and like, the whole beaner thing, like, they really get that from TV. Like, most kids that are around that age. Because seventh grade is, like, what, like, 12, right? It's like, 12, 13? Well, in, in that instance, it was just kind of like how black people call each other the N-word. You yeah. heard, like, the Hispanics, they call, they call each other, like, beaners all the time. And, you know, I have to be like, stop. Because, I'm like, people hear that. And if you don't want anybody else to say it to you, stop normalizing it within yourselves because students aren't recognizing that it's just y'all. He's not picking up the fact that it's just the Hispanic students because, you know, some... It's like they see, they do. Yeah, so some people, I mean, some students would put it together like, oh, that's clearly the one kid who is Hispanic talking to the other kids who's Hispanic. It must yeah. be a them thing. But that particular student kind of slow to the draw just honest so he didn't notice it so when something happened he just thought it was okay to yell out and i was like no 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 that's actually because i was the same way when i was younger because when i was younger like it was mostly white kids um a couple like hispanics and it was like me and my brother so like i would you know like naturally just chill with the hispanics and they would be speaking spanish like i don't know if they were like i don't know if they just got here or whatever but i do know a lot of hispanics are like mainly Mexicans, like, they speak, like, Spanish as, like, bilingual. Like, they know English just as good they know Spanish. But I guess, you know how, like, people from different cultures, they don't want people to know what they're talking about, so they speak in in a different tongue, right? Like, you got, you know, the Nigerians here, like, they'll speak, you know, Yoruba or, like, Igbo or whatever, right? So I guess when they were younger, they would do that all the time. But I was trying to learn it to hang out with them, but my teacher... I don't know if it's I don't know if it's like a white thing or if she was being racist, but she didn't want me to do that. Like she was like, "You can't speak Spanish," and I was like, "Why not?" I was like, well, "Like I'm not being, am I being rude?" And they would be like, "No, nah, he's chilling. Like we, like we like him." There was like I don't know what the issue is, but she literally would not let me learn to speak Spanish. 
and like this went on for but we ended up but i don't know if my mom transferred schools because of that but we ended up transferring transferring schools like and i never saw them again but this was literally like when i was like in second or third grade and i was literally trying to learn like i'm talking about being fluent in it because every time we got for lunch or recess or whatever they would just be teaching me stuff they were like yo hola como esta like all this like mm-hmm. you know pollo's chicken like everything right <laughs> No, I'm so serious. Like I and I thought it was like I was. I swear I was on my way to be bilingual, and then you know transfer schools, and there was like no, you know, Latin kids there or anything like that, or Hispanic kids, and I just never learned Spanish again until high school. I mean, it's it's definitely a comfort thing, because a lot of these students struggle with English. Still, a lot of my students because, and I actually my capstone for my master's degree was on um, being bilingual or multilingual even in a school. If I can speak, so if we're in a Spanish-speaking or another-speaking country and we're learning that language, but then I meet somebody who also speaks English, my go-to with them is going to be English because that's where I'm most comfortable. But then, you know, because I think kids were in a bind in my class because I know Spanish. Mm-hmm. So Oh, you my, know Spanish? Yes. My Hispanic students would be speaking in Spanish and they say something, and I'd look. They were like, oh, my God. You idiot, you know, she speaks Spanish too. She can know, she knows what you're saying. And I'm like, yeah. tone it down because we're not going to do that. But it's more of like a comfort thing. And in your case, you know, your friends were like, okay, yeah, we want to teach him so he can learn because most of the time it's not. Now, sometimes, you know, it is kind of shady. Um, and that's with it everything. Been I literally, so I mean, because seven second grade is like, what, like seven or eight, nine, right? Like, I really didn't know. Like, I was like, these are my friends. This is what my friends are doing. Why can't I do what my friends are doing? And that's and so I think the only thing I've ran into that is if I can tell my students are getting annoyed because you have Spanish speakers and then you have the foreign language classes like Spanish, German, mm-hmm. French and whatnot. And sometimes, you know, the kids will go in Spanish class and then come back to their Hispanic classmates and it's like, Oh, hey, look what I know. But mm. it's always that one annoying kid. Yeah. Um, who's extra. Who, yeah, who's extra, and they're kind of like, okay. And you got to kind of pick up on those nonverbal cues or like the body language or how they're saying things. Um, but for, and, and then in, in my case, in my case, it was just a lot of that was their comfort zone mm-hmm. was speaking in Spanish because they hear English all day and go home back to Spanish. Yeah, that's the time literally I'm 90% of my Spanish speaking students. My other students, my students from Russia, Albania, um, Egypt, from all over the world, my Brazilian student, they go home and speak their native tongue. So yeah. when they can find somebody in the school that speaks that same native tongue, it's just that easier as opposed to trying to be like, okay, like somebody just posted the Sofia Vergara uh, meme from Modern Family. Yeah. Like, do you know what it's like to have to translate everything in your head before you speak and somebody's still telling you that it's broken mm. you know when you're trying to speak in english but the sentence structure isn't right subject verb agreement yeah. isn't there so it's easier now i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do this language that's not comfortable to me with people who can understand me in my native tongue facts just like my i mean the only thing that i don't see i don't see my asian kids really speaking to one another mm. And, you know, which, whether it be Cantonese, Mandarin, They're Japanese, really good. They're, they're, they they're, they're really good about it because at my high school, um, like, we had a very, very big, well, not very big, but we had, like, a good-sized Asian population. And they're mostly Vietnamese. Like, they were, very, like, not saying very good, but, like, they never spoke their tongue around us, like, ever. 
But I think it's because it's not like Spanish and French. Those are more of the romance languages. Yeah. So when you hear that, you're you're still gonna people are gonna be rude and say stuff. People always have something to say. Mm. But imagine walking down the hallway and now somebody's speaking Mandarin or Japanese. People are not gonna respond to that mm. the same way as they would if you're speaking French with your friend in the hallway. And I think see, that's a lot to do with it as see, well. I don't like that because like and this kind of ties into you know one of the most more serious things that I want to talk about. Like I don't really care if you know a different language because like. If I go to China, right, like I'm planning on living in Japan or at least going to Japan for a, a period of time. And I don't expect to look around and see English speaking people or, you know, like I'm going to Japan more than likely 99 plus percent of the country speaks Japanese. Like I'm not going to feel that type of way that no one speaks. You know what I'm saying? Like I just don't like when when people get upset. Why are you speaking this language? in front? Why would you do this? I'm like, bro, who cares? Like, is it really, is it really making you that upset? It's like, why are you being racist? Okay. Yeah. Why are you being racist? Why are you being racist? Well, yeah, you don't feel that way, but the issue is the majority of others do. Who cares? Who cares? If you're so used to being put down about something normal to you start to change. And then I think again, too, we know the stereotype about um, Asian culture and I think, um, I don't really know how to say, I think that becomes more normal to them as they learn the English. Mm-hmm. That's like one of their challenges to conquer. And now I know it because, you know, that's what centers them is like a lot of intelligence yeah. and a lot of um, mastery of certain crafts. So I think it's kind of like we learn the language now. If we can use it, we're going to use it. I just feel so, like, like, do your kids know about what's going on? I don't know. Like, you haven't, you haven't had to talk with them about the, like, because, um, I mean, we, we know what's up. Like, we're grown, so. Like, I, I t- I'm, on my last podcast, when I talk with my students, they know. They're, they're in ninth grade now. My former students that I um, yeah, but they're did high my school, podcast though. with, they're, they're in ninth grade. Students these days, they have some, when I was in school, I did not have access to the technology that students these days do. So, they see everything. They literally, I had a student pass away last year. And pictures of her car accident were all over Snapchat within like the hour. So they they get information and disseminate information so quickly. So there's no way not to know about rioting and protesting and everything that's going on. It's just a means of processing it. Because I posed that question to some of my fellow staff members. I was like, what are we going to do when we get back? And it kind of became a race thing at first. You know, somebody was kind of like, well, what can I do if I'm this white man who did it and I was like it's not about I that. don't I'm not even thinking about my little black kids right now because I have students who literally fled war-torn countries yeah. and came to Georgia and imagine what that's like seeing like this same destruction and ruin in the streets when that's something your family just tried to get you away from yeah that can be very triggering in a time where you've been stuck in the house for three months already plus and then now right we're on what I left school we did not come back March 12th was our last day because the 13th was a holiday for us. A lot of different counties went back on the 13th. We did not. So some of these students last day with their friends was March 12th. It's July 5th. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then all of this change is going on in the world. A lot of people who already didn't understand American culture and even more confused. They don't know what's going on. Don't know what's going on on top of, again, in a pandemic, can't really express. A lot of my students don't have ideal home situations. But they still see it. I think the only kids who are really in the dark are those who have no technology, yeah. but which is like 
little to none because they had to get on technology to participate in classes yeah before we let out in may so it's um it's something that's weird to address because the type of black students i have now mm-hmm. are not like the type of black students i had my first two years so it's a different um approach my kids right. now are just honestly they're a lot softer um, because every, you know, there's at every school you can find a handful of students that are living through some really rough things, yeah. but that population here is smaller than what I had there. So what they're seeing might really be a total 180 than what they're used to, or they might be used to it, but this is definitely, um, a more delicate approach to it. If I was at my old school, I could just kind of go in and be like, yo, Explains what in the world? Me. But here I have to think about everybody in my classroom and make sure that I'm addressing how everyone feels. Yeah. I think it should be a group talk. Like, like even with immigrants that come and I've been just, you know, the minority immigrants. I mean, like, you know, the ones like you said, you have one from Germany and you said you got a, a, a white boy from Egypt. So I feel like it should be a talk about everyone because like one of the bit. So when people talk about, racism reform right like or like how do we fix racism in america and everyone knows yeah defund the police and give the money to x y and z right or everyone be like yeah like elect the people that we want to elect or get donald trump out like those are the common sense things that people know like a cop shouldn't kill an innocent black man cool we know that all right cool give them better training bet we should elect x y and z because the other guy's racist cool we know that so what do you think about the educational aspect of of fixing the racism because I know personally I don't feel like I felt it as much as I did when I was younger but I probably did experience some racist stuff when I when I didn't even know it you know what I'm saying like Mm -hmm. there was probably a teacher who said some slick stuff and I was like yeah like yeah yeah you're right and I didn't know what she was saying really so what do you think about the educational like what can we do as normal people who aren't even in the system or like, what do you think should be done in the system to fix the um, racist aspects? Teachers have to stop being afraid to have questions. I mean, not questions, conversations. Um, I remember, like I said, I asked in my staff Facebook group, like, what are we doing when you all come back? And one of the first things one of my coworkers said was, Oh, I had a cousin that was, he's white. He was like, my cousin was killed by the cab police 15 years ago. And then again, I'm also this tall white man. Okay, but you're one of the most meaningful conversations they're going to have because you're not even black. You're not even a minority, but you're showing you care. That's the problem because I can go blue in the face. I can't. I'm really dark skinned, so I really can't go blue in the face. But I can talk and talk and talk, but it's still going to become like, oh, well, you're just as passionate because you're black and you don't think about black people. But when everybody else is having these conversations and thinking about what can I do for change and how can I talk and how can I enlighten to what's really going on, then it means more. Because right now, everybody's just having arguments and counter arguments. There's no discussion. There's no learning. There's, oh, well, you feel this way, but this is how I feel or avoidance in general. Mm. A lot of teachers like, oh, this is messy and I don't really want to bring this up. Is this my place? But it's everybody's place. Yeah, you need to. And and. Not to cut you off or anything, but I feel like one of the most annoying things is, is, and it kind of happened at the cookout, when you ask nicely, no one talks to you. No one listens to you. You'd be like, hey, guys, like we should do this. No one says anything. Okay, guys, like, can we do this? Uh, okay, but now when you cussing and yelling, you're raising your voice and your hands going everywhere and you flip over a table. Whoa, why are you tripping? Because I will... I don't want to really I'll be that nigga right now if you really want me to like dead ass like like because like ain't no one listening to me like you're not doing nothing like I'm I was being nice 
I was trying to talk nice. Let's have this conversation. Like even with the like right, like you said, you were talking to your teachers or the other, and they's like, well, I don't know if we should, but I bet you if you went to school raising hell, they'd be like, okay, like what's your issue? I didn't have an issue. I've been talking to you for three months about how can we address this in, in our school, and you're not doing nothing. But mm-hmm. when I come in out like a nigga, suddenly is is why are you doing this? Why are you tripping? And and that's that's the biggest thing because when you take that lighter approach, sometimes people just kind of tiptoe over like, oh, it'll go away. But then what happens when you have a student who faced something who might have been in the car with their dad and mm-hmm. got pulled over and it turned really crazy really fast because of the color of their skin? Again, not just my young black students, even though that's still their skin tone is black. Other people get treated really crappy because you want to make it a black and white thing, but people are talking about, and I know that we have issues with other groups um, of color because blacks, black people feel like we don't get support. But again, from my standpoint, I have to think about everybody because I don't mm-hmm. just teach black students. Teach everybody. And we're not having this conversation about what's really going on in the world, but now I have this Hispanic student that's dealing this dealing with this racism, and we're trying to sweep it under the rug. But call it what it is, call it spade a spade, and have that conversation, and have those conversations. Like we're doing all this planning about how we're going to return back with COVID, and how we're going to help that. But coronavirus is not the only thing we're dealing with right now. Yeah, because these riots and whatnot are not really slowing down. They're not getting as much coverage. Yeah, no, we're not. But stuff is not slowing down. We still have months until the election. And who knows what'll happen if Donald Trump gets reelected. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So we want to tiptoe. We don't want to talk about it. But it's kind of like, oh, because we feel like this only represents this one population in our school. And then when you get into that conversation as well, it's like, okay, it only represents this one population. So now we're just going to ignore that because it doesn't affect me. I don't want to talk about it. Mm. But now we have these students that are struggling and their friends don't know how to deal with their friends who are struggling with stuff because nobody wants to teach them about it. I can't, the, the, my white students don't know how to comfort their friend. They hear their parents talking about how Black Lives Matter is some BS. So when they hear their friends talking about, I feel unsafe, they're brushing it off. So now you have adults ignoring in the building, trickling down to students getting in arguments and fights because they're saying something like when Obama got elected, it was about to be World War II in a middle school because people were saying some really ignorant things and the teachers wanted to tiptoe around it and not really dig into it because students aren't aren't mature. Do they know what students get into these days? (laughs) Boy. So it's more so on our end, like stop ignoring it. Find a way that you address everybody and get to everybody, but Mm -hmm. you can't just sweep it under the rug. Because if my students ask me about it, I'm not going to be like, oh, we don't have time to talk about that. No, I'll be real and tell how I feel. Yeah. Because... If I don't talk to you about it, if I'm ignoring it, and I'm a black woman at that, then they're definitely going to be like, well, this is nothing. So it's just, you know. See, I encourage black. See, I'm one. I don't know if I'm one of the few or many or whatever. I'm like, I encourage black women to to, to go off. Like, it, it may be awkward for me in that moment, but I've seen it plenty of times where, like, it's slowly built up over time. Like, even in a restaurant, right? There's a stereotypical, you know, you sit at the restaurant and then your mama go off, right? And then it's mm-hmm. like, whoa, what happened there? But then I started to peep the stuff that would happen, like, when we're out in a big restaurant. And don't get me wrong, some things are accidents. I get it. But there are a lot of times, and I feel like this probably plays into bigger life, where 
black women, right? Mainly, I, I can't speak on white women because I, I I don't know or mm-hmm. Asian women or whatever. But it's times where like my mom, where like where my mom will ask for something or or do something, and the waiter would be like, "Okay, I got you," and just never do it. Or the server would be like, "Yeah, I got you," and just never do it. And she's like, "Okay, this is my third time asking." And mm-hmm. then it's like when she's going off and being, you know, where she from. It's like, ma'am, like, can you? Whoa, like, what is? What? Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, it was an accident. It's like, right. no. Now you want to hear me when I'm like, what did Kiki Palmer say on that on that podcast when she was like, I'll be that, like, I'll be that B and just turn up in this thing because like when you don't hear me when I'm talking, it's it's cool. But when I'm turning up, it's the worst thing ever. So I encourage black women to, to turn up to a hundred, like instantly turn up to a hundred because even. Like people will hear me because like I'm a I'm a black dude I'm swole like you know I got a deep voice or whatever they be like oh yeah okay well what this guy's saying like let's you know what cool because to me it's wild that Brianna Taylor's killers aren't being arrested right. like like how you got one dude fired that's it and then there was recently just this case I saw on Twitter where the exact same thing happened but it was a white woman that died and all of those cops in that apartment got sent to jail. I don't know for how long. I didn't read that much. But I just read if they got convicted or not. I just want to know. Because I just wanted to see if, if they didn't get convicted. I'd be like, dang, maybe it's a deeper issue than just, you know, that one case. But I was like, if they got convicted, how did Breonna Taylor's not get convicted? So I encourage black women to turn up to a thousand, like off rip. And I was even trying to get some black women to lead the protest in Kennesaw that I was doing mm-hmm. a few times. And I'm still trying to plant another one. But, you know, the weather's not going good for us. But back to what we were saying like i i think like whenever i see a black woman going off or like on twitter she yelling at some dude like the first thing i think is like dang like what did he do or like what happened to lead up to the situation because most black women i know just not gonna go off for no reason like you're not just finna pull up to some dude's house or do a protest for no reason or go on this big rant on twitter for no reason because you woke up mad right most black women not finna do that there might be some and you know that's their own case but you got people out here who invalidated black women. Like the women's like the women's march, right? Mm-hmm. That was organized by black women. Right. But yet not and yeah, like yeah, it was coverage by white women. Like it made it seem like white women did it. Nah, it was a it was a older it was an elderly black woman on Twitter, I mean on Facebook, who had the idea, she made a group and it went viral and worldwide. Mm-hmm. But yet many people don't even know that. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think y'all should turn them to a thousand. Yeah. And you know, but that that just goes along with the whole teaching aspect. I'm not, I'm I'm a loud person, but I don't yell. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't yell at my students. I don't particularly take into that. The only time I really snap and get really loud is when I've had enough. So just that echoing, and with my own passion, you know. Um, of course, my new kids don't know. But I'm over here, like, looking at this picture. Uh, the day Kobe died, that mm. next day at school, I cried at school from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Like, mm. I was an emotional wreck. And I feel as a, my own self, like, I cannot be crying over somebody that I've never met and how much that impacted me and then brushed under the rug something that is affecting myself and my community. And I'm seeing a lot of, like, my white, quote-unquote, friends on Facebook and whatnot and the dumbest argument to me that I always see is like, well, cops kill white people too. So shouldn't you just be just as mad? Like, yeah, I don't. Like, I hate that <laughs> because saying. it's like, okay, if you don't think that, like, if you don't think that someone in your community, right, even scratch black, white, Asian, whatever, Muslim, if you don't think that someone in your community should have died from this instance, who is stopping you from protesting? No one. 
like there's this there's this Republican on Twitter. His name is Matt Walsh. And he posted this video of this white boy in the hotel. He had like a, it was like some, some really big incident. It was like years ago. And the police shot him when he was unarmed. Mm-hmm. And like the first thing I thought was like, well, damn, Matt, protest. Like what? What are you, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And you know, like it's always been people who, who post the videos or who make that one point who never apply to anyone with logic that can contend them. Because like, like you're saying, right? Your, your white friend was like, well, yeah, like white people do all the time. Like, well, yeah. Like do Go. something about we're like we're upset about that too, and what's crazy to me is, and I did not make this Facebook status, but my thing is too. They're like, oh, you know, everybody brings up. So what are you doing about black on black crime? And my thing is, have y'all never seen All American? Did nobody see what Spencer was trying to do yeah, when his neighborhood together. was going? Like communities <clears throat> rise up when this stuff is happening, when stuff gets crazy. But there's also a bit of fear. And, you know, I've lived in Caucasian areas my whole life, so I can't really speak too much to that. But communities definitely start to try to make a change, too. This is something that we're seeing nationally. Mm-hmm. And something that, shoot, globally, because it wasn't just us. People were talking about racism in the UK, racism in Latin American countries that were all coming up. So it's worldwide that we're speaking for something that we're seeing is a problem. And if you see that's your problem as well. And I love the little analogies everybody's coming up with, because I ask people who have multiple children, if your child, like, as a matter of fact, my niece got in a car accident last night. Mm-hmm. I didn't call my niece and say, oh, but what about your siblings? Are they okay? Did you? <laughs> did you how are they taking? Did you know your siblings? And they were, two of her siblings were in the car with her. The other one was in a different car. I said, did they? I know that you're hurt, but like. Are they fine? <laughs> what about them too? Like, because you know, they matter as well. That's like understood. Yeah. But the focus is right now, she had the brunt of everything that was going on. I'm not going to say, oh, I know you hurt yourself, but don't forget. Your brothers and sister yeah. get hurt sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> Who even does that? I'm telling you that I'm hurting. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I had an asthma attack. Well, why didn't you have your inhaler? Because other asthma people bring their inhalers with them. Dummy. What? This is what you're going to say to me, right? Am I okay? Like, you know, it's, it's a lot of things that people are doing. And it's like, are you serious? Did anybody see... I was at, I randomly woke up and checked Twitter at like six o'clock this morning and some dude posted the video. Did you see the two protesters got ran over yeah. last night? And the, the Asian guy, right? Yes. The oh my God. He's an idiot. Were disgusting. But and it was, they were so ignoring bad. the fact that like someone said, someone was like, dude, I live in Seattle. It was like that highway has been shut down for like the past two weeks. He's like, if someone hits someone on the highway, it's because someone went out there purposely to hit someone on that highway. Because he's like, you would have had to go past like three, um, you know, like the little gate things they put in front, like, mm-hmm. like when they, like when they, yeah, he was going the wrong way anyway. Yeah. And then they said that? that he was going like the literally opposite direction. So th- that's like literally driving on the left side of, Ebony, of, of, of 75 North. It's like, you can't mm-hmm. do that. If you drive on the left side, like you're going like everyone else is going down. You're going up. Like, like you can't do that. And, but and I just recently had this conversation with one of my really close friends, Bokery. Um, shout out to Bo, my man, since high school. But um, the whole black on black crime thing, right? And I don't think people can realize this. They're not mutually exclusive. Like, I can be worried about black on black crime or whatever, like crime in my community, and also think, like, hey, you're a cop and you shouldn't kill us, right? Because this is the example that I'd be using against my more Republican friends. 
I'm like, dude, if if you slap your brother and I slap you, your brother's going to kick my ass. And it can happen simultaneously. Like right now, right? If you slap your boyfriend, Mars, right now, right? Mm-hmm. And then I slap you. I guarantee you he's going to slap the shit out of me. <laughs> now, he might yell at you later in the car and be like, why'd you slap me? Girl, what's wrong with you? You slap me again like that in public, I'm going to get on you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I guarantee you, and this can happen within five seconds of each other. I'm literally talking about five seconds. You can literally slap him, and then I'll slap the shit out of you, and he'll be like, bruh, me and you might got to go outside the box. <laughs> You, but do you get what I'm saying though? Hello, Mike. But you get what I'm saying though, right? Yeah. I can literally think that black on black crime is not a good thing. And yes, we can address the murder situations in Chicago, Baltimore, all that. We can do that. But right. cops shouldn't be killing us. We shouldn't be dealing with you know racism in the healthcare, racism in the education system. Like that doesn't make that doesn't one one wrong doesn't make another wrong invalid. Right. And I don't think Republicans and even myself recently, like I've started to. Cause I was always confused on the subject. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, dang, like, like, what is a good response to that? And this is the answer that I came up with myself talking to my friend Bokery. Cause I was like, I was like, you know what? I was like, I can think that you know we shouldn't kill each other and like we shouldn't do this, but no black person has killed a black person because they're black, mm-hmm. like, or or you know fought someone because they're black. Like, you step on my jays in the club is like, dude, that's disrespect in the south. Like, don't do that. You feel me? Right. But at the same time, though. If you step on my J's in the club and I swing on you and then I go outside and the cop shoots me in the back, best believe that same dude I just swung on is probably going to protest for me if I die. Right. And then also at the same time, though, I read a recent statistic. Crime has gone down in the black community in the past like three months because of all the protests because no one's been really doing anything. And it could be related because of COVID. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but it was a, and I got to find it. And I'm a, if I find it, I'm going to send it to you. But literally, they were saying, like, crime has dropped, like, three times the normal rate in our community because of all the protests and maybe COVID. So well, it's n- because, mm-hmm. like, we spending so much time protesting. coming together to protest. What? Because a lot of the crime that happens in black communities is a lot of, like, beefs mm-hmm. and stuff that people feel has to be settled with violence instead of other avenues. Again, I don't really touch on that much because, again, grew up in a lot of Caucasian areas, so I didn't really see a lot of that. Um, and then also crime, you know, a lot of crime happens like with break-ins and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's only a few that are really bold, bold to come after you while you're in the house. Yeah. You know, people aren't leaving their house at night. So the, the break-in aspect of different houses has dropped because people are home. We're not going anywhere because you couldn't go anywhere. And then people who have these nicer places also not going to go anywhere. They tend to be older. Like my, my parents have a very nice house. Where are they going at 10 o'clock at night? Nowhere. Nowhere. They're not going nowhere until 10 o'clock in the morning. Bed with the bonnet on. Right. So it's um, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff had to change when all this hit. And then when the protest started, it's kind of like our communities are like, yeah, I hate you, but we have a bigger hatred for the way the system is consistently taking us down and taking down other people they cannot stand for themselves that well against us. And looping it back into education, these are all of the things that I try to talk to my students about mm-hmm. and talk to, you know. Um, Do you think y'all need more funding? John, um, education, do we need more funding? Mm-hmm. Yes, what? It's a no-brainer. Not even just, uh, listen, on the, the down end, I don't know if anybody um, caught like what I said. Like, literally, so many people have been helping me with my classroom this year 
I'm going into my fourth year teaching, and all three years I have spent at minimum like a thousand dollars over time on my classroom. So what do you think that we can do? Like I'm just a normal, I'm just a normal dude. Like I'm, I'm kind of smart, but that's about it. And I take pictures. I'm good with numbers. So what can like me as like a normal guy? Like what can we do besides like directly giving you money? Because I don't feel like that's the like that's the solution. I was sure about to say you could cash at me, but, but it was okay, a joke. Okay. But but it was okay, a joke. I mean yes, like I could give you direct money, but like. What is like the real solution? Because like, I mean, when you don't put a band like you can put a band aid on a dash, like 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 on a stab wound, mm-hmm. but like that's not really a solution. Like the solution is stitch it up and you fix it. It's um, like, yeah, what can it's you- just it's just supporting education. Um, if a teacher is seeking resources, again, that ties into how we when people ask for information, a lot of people are very nasty about it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you're grown. You know how to use Google. Yeah, but if I really want in-depth, like, tell me about your experience. Why, when I'm asking about your experience and how you feel and your journey, it has to be such a nasty thing. Mm -hmm. And that turns a lot of people away because your message, and again, I just talked about this the other day. As a teacher, if I'm introducing myself, if I'm starting off, the reason I have such a good rapport with students is because I'm a respectful person. Mm -hmm. I don't go there unless you take me there. Mm -hmm. But imagine if on the first day of school, I'm like, okay, um, I, I'm I'm Miss Lovett, and I really ain't got time for no stupidity. <laughs> I know that you haven't learned anything that I have to teach yet, but I just feel like you should do a little bit on your own, and then. Don't ask me no stupid questions. I mean, I do tell kids don't ask me questions that I've already said the answer to in some form, but. Yeah. That's more understandable than me just being like, mm-hmm. Ricky, that was such a dumb question. Why would you ever open your mouth to ask me that? I hate you. You suck. That's why you're failing. What? Jesus. Like, Christ. and that's how some people on Twitter, on Facebook, da da da, all these white people trying to be allies. And yeah, you so want dumb. me to tell you, but you know how to Google. Mm. You can read about Kid Rock and Garth Brooks, but when we're talking about Black Lives Matter, you want to ask me, just tell them to read something that you like, share with them the in-depth stuff, because I know that we're frustrated, and some people are acting like black people just popped out of thin air, but people who are trying to change their mindsets need some guidance. And I know you're frustrated, but save the frustration and argumentative for people who are really being yeah, about that. Stuck. But somebody who's really trying to come to you because now it's like, okay, no, I don't care. Because that's what I am to some of the people that I see now. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to talk to you. There are people that I used to know that I see them in public. And there are people, some, some people that I saw at your cookout that I looked the other way when they saw me because mm-hmm. like the way they've been addressing everything going on, I'm yeah. just like, ew, no. So it's like when somebody reaches out to you, Ew, you know what I'm saying, um, and, and I needs think, that information, mm-hmm. like talk to them. If you have a teacher in your life, like uplift them with positivity. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of people that um, give me props for being a teacher. I don't get a lot of negativity when it comes to being a teacher for my yeah, friends I and whatnot. Um, Just as important as like a doctor. But... We're about to go into a lot. A lot of schools are going back face-to-face right now, especially in Georgia right now. All these other states are closing back down. I don't really see that happening for Georgia's becoming a survival of the fittest state. Um, 
So with teachers as well as the other essential workers, they're going back in right to <laughs> COVID, going back in to having to adjust. We might have traumatized students for going in. So it's really just that support aspect, you know. Um, and it's hard because there's not many ways you can get into the school system because we're so like enclosed in a little bubble too. Yeah. You know, but if you see an opportunity to like help a school in a positive way, you know, help be a lending hand, um, help a teacher. If you see these resources for a teacher, if a teacher's trying to get like more black books in their classroom or mm -hmm. more um, Hispanic it. Latino books, Google it. you know, like That's so, su support, uh, support that cause, support different it. causes with school. Yeah, Google it is just, and you know me, I'm a Google it type person on like some funny stuff. Like don't get on and be like, what's the definition of X, Y, Z? Because as much as you took the to tweet that you could open Safari or whatever. Yeah. But um, mm. it's just kind of just stop being so anti everything and just being so negative. We're all fed up in our own different ways. But the way you carry yourself out is how you get your message further yeah. and how you get across. Unless people have been annoying you. Like you said, some people just go off when it's been enough. That's different. But some people just nasty just to be nasty. And I can't get down with that ever. I think, like, people... And then I feel like when people are asking, like, what do you want me to do? Like, no one's saying, bro, write a 10-page essay with the MLA format and I need eight citations. Like, no one's saying that, bro. Like, literally... Just tell someone about a YouTube video or a book that you read or even like an author. Like no one is saying, bro, go into the deepest, darkest, like the most in-depth review you can possibly do on racism in America and give me a 10 page. Like, no, bro, no. Like if someone's asking you, bro, just be like, yo, I read this article. Boom. Link them to this article. And it's be like, yeah, bro, find more articles like this. And most people, I would hope, would be like, all right, bro, I got you. Like, I don't think most people are going to be like, well, I don't know what like if someone's like, yo, like what video should I watch? You should be like, boom, watch this video by this person. And then usually YouTube does an algorithm and just finds videos kind of similar to it. Yeah. Like you can literally do that. And that person will because most videos will have like, yo, the, the link is below from the book I read and you can read the book and then you just go from there. Like, bro, and it, it, if, if our leaders from like the 60s and 50s and 30s had our logic, we would be nowhere. <laughs> like can you imagine if Malcolm X used to literally go on every single interview he possibly could to get his point across and I don't think people realize that at the same time that your enemy right quote unquote your oppressor or whatever will do what you're not willing to do mm -hmm. every Republican racist KKK member will go to on any interview will go on any YouTube video any channel and get their point across with citations videos and everything that you could possibly think of to get people on their side people who don't know what to do like they're like they're stuck or just these little children who are malleable who just don't know anything and they can just be promoted to be racist they will do everything but you're over here saying google it because you're you're, you're tired you will get nowhere with that even in education, if your teacher, if you said, hey, teacher, what's X, Y, and Z? Or, I don't know what this is. Well, you have a calculator. You know what to do. Like, <laughs> bro, if you're, if you're. What or, I need you for? Or imagine if the principal at your school was like, you were like, yo, principal, like X, Y, and Z. He'd be like, yeah, okay. Like, you, you, you know the contract you signed. <laughs> you know the, read it. And you would be like, read what? All right, bet. Honestly? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it would get us nowhere. And it's kind of just frustrating because I get more frustrated at my own people than the people asking questions. Cause like, if you're like, I'm a fit dude, right? Mm -hmm. If someone was like, yo, Devin, how do I get in shape? Nigga, you better YouTube how to do push ups. Like, no, bro, I'm, you know, like, yo, go to gym three times a week. 
you know, cut your calories by like a third, drink more water, see where you go from there. And then you take off, like, just give them one or two steps and they should have figured out the rest. But yeah, we um anything that you want to talk about real quick? Oh no, cause I, let me. <clears throat> you saw it. You saw the tweet. You see the tweets talking about he said he was gonna own me about this whole cheating thing. Telling my teachers be cheating. Oh okay okay yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm about, okay I'm wait about hold, hold, to on, hold on hold on Okay how can okay how can how can I get in trouble for cheating if I can find your test on Chegg? That is cheating. <laughs> First off. <laughs> First off, as you saw in that screenshot, though, the teacher asked, okay, it's on Chegg. You know, most teachers, when they see that their stuff is on Chegg, they report it or try to get it taken down. The issue is, as teachers, so when I plan, and I'm not collegiate level yet, maybe one day, but when we plan, I work with four, four other main seventh grade teachers. Okay. So when we plan, we make common assessments. Because if I'm trying to prove if my students are doing, oh, that's not bad. If we're trying to see whose students are performing better or what to assess, if we have all these different tests, then that's an issue. And I think that's the same thing on a collegiate level. It's like this overarching department, like Science 1101 is universal. So if I have a Science 1101 test, it might be something that comes from the powers that be with university science. Now, teachers, some teachers Use I don't ever use the same test year to year because that's ridiculous. But some teachers, they're like, especially on the college level, if this test has worked for me to gauge whether these students are getting it, then they keep it. But like you said, stuff is on Chegg, Quizlet, Course everything. Hero, like, like students take these tests and make these flashcards. Or you have teachers, you ever had a teacher that will give you a question in class and then you see that question pop back up on the test? Yeah. It might be a little different from you because private school can get more in the nitty gritty. Yeah. But like sometimes we might have something and then reword it because it might be a more difficult concept. Okay. Um, and then when you go and do that, now that's up to you. Now, again, like you said, though, if you see your test is on Chegg, Quizlet, everything, you're still using it. You can't really complain about cheating because it's cheating. It's, it's, it's not. Cheating. It's not. But a lot of teachers use common resources. A lot of teachers because... We do a lot. And I don't know if y'all knew about the way we create assessments. We do not sit down and make all those questions from scratch. So wait, are you saying that like when you say common, you said it's, it's called common what? We use common resources, like common planning. Like, So is it like, let's say like you guys get it from like a general like department somewhere and they just give y'all the questions or something like that? Um, sometimes we have like a question pool because, you know, when we make tests, it's not just our opinion. Mm-hmm. Our tests have to meet the rigor level of those above us. Uh, because if they start looking at a test like this question is easy, you're a dumb teacher because why would you even test the question? The kids like this okay. doesn't assess anything. And now we're going back and trying to reinvent the wheel. So like the biggest thing, because again, it was only 280 characters. And then again, like you said, with cheating, even though you can find it, you're the one being assessed. So it's like, okay, yeah, let me cut some corners on this. T- oh, look. And I, I don't think, I hope no teachers ever like, let me get this off Quizlet and download and transfer because that, you know, and I have had questions because I'm not going to pretend like I've never looked something up in college because do you know the type of stuff we have to go through? It's your fault you didn't put a lockdown browser. So, I mean, it's going to yeah. use my liberties. Um, but if, if you take that, then that's different. But a lot of it is just a teacher had a resource and you would think now that technology is more prevalent 
teachers would be like, let me search my own test to make sure that you can it's literally search withstood the test of time. But some teachers just don't. They're really old, and then they just give you that same test, and now everything's on. You're wondering why everybody's getting, like, A's. And so you think you're a great teacher, but no. no. We just have Google, so it tells us everything. But, yeah, talk about teachers be cheating. We, we go through a lot. Okay? I'm not saying I, I love we teachers. Do. I think teachers... Next to cops, or not cops, uh, doctors are like the most important people. Like, if my arm is broken right now, I'm not finna be like, you know what, man, I'm just gonna th- no. I'm, hey, take me to Emory, greatest up, take me somebody, please. And I feel like in order to be the doctor, in order to be the you know whatever you're trying to be, you have to have a teacher to teach you how to do it. I mean, either way. All these people y'all see now, either they love their teachers in their classes and got to where they are, or they hated school so much that they left and still got to where they were. The way that was me. the influence. I hated school so much. I was like, I need to graduate and just get up out of here. Like, see? like me disliking school helped me graduate. But look, the teachers, they sucked and you hated it. Still an influence. Well, no, I've had some good teachers. I had some good teachers. I had some really crappy teachers. Like, I think if I had teachers like you... Well, most of my teachers are white, so I don't know. But I think that has a lot to do with your experience. But yeah, but like if I had a fun teacher who you know, there are some good white teachers out there. I don't want to not saying there are, but when that's all you see, yeah, there are some crappy black teachers. When I see like schools that are just all white teachers, I'm like, what? Where is the difference? Because typically in that type of school, then just not all white teachers, they're all white teachers who think the same. Yeah. Same way if you had like just predominantly any type of staff. Staff needs diversity because the schools are diverse. I think that's an issue. Dang, that's an issue with HBCUs. But I'm going to get someone from HBCU and we're going to have a podcast. Oh, yeah, I'm not even touching on it. I went to PWI. To, to I, I was going to say it. I was <laughs> but no, I'm gonna have a HBCU. I'm gonna have a couple of them on the podcast. Cause, oh, this about to be fun. Yeah, I think a three to one is a good handicap um, for them. Good luck. Like, yeah, to them. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I want because I I hate the HBCU versus PWI argument. But um, but thanks so much for having me on your podcast and vice Thank versa. You inviting me and doing all of this the collab is this was one of the collabs i was looking for because i like the educational talk and then you had a good perspective of because i didn't know that most of your kids were uh you know from everywhere yes because either mostly it's like yeah my kids are black or my kids are white i'm like well you got a you got ipod shuffle mode you got everything i got the the great american melting pot y'all go listen to that schoolhouse rock is on disney plus now but yeah um so shot your podcast one more time a fraction of my reality. Yeah. So you guys go listen to her podcast. It's very educational. I actually listened to the first episode. Have not listened to the second one yet, but I'm that. I'm going to listen to it. I have a new but, episode coming next week. So. But yeah, but um, so that was Nikki, my really really close friends. This is Man Versus, and we're out.